Welcome to the Soul Mama podcast, where we have deep and honest conversations about healing, awakening, spirituality, and wellness on this sacred journey of conscious motherhood. We ask how we can walk this path in a way that nourishes, elevates, and heals us and our children. We deserve space and time to slow down and tune in to our hearts, to heal ourselves, and to honor our highest callings. It starts with us. I'm Nahanda Truscott-Reed. I'm a mother, holistic wellness coach, writer and speaker, and I am passionate about all of the ways we can raise our consciousness and come into more alignment and power as women and mothers. So we can heal the past and make more empowered choices for the future. Our stories and voices matter. It is my intention that these conversations inspire, motivate, and move you on your own Soul Mama journey. I'm so honored that you're here. This week, my guest is Donna Lancaster. Donna is a healer, facilitator, and co-founder of The Bridge Retreat, which has recently been featured in the documentary film Loved. I first became aware of Donna's work when I saw her leading circles online for ancestral healing in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, which provoked an outpouring of grief and reconciliation, and I knew then that I had to bring her on to the podcast. Donna is passionate about the subject of grief and the grieving process, which she believes offers the missing link for many of us in our search for wholeness. In this episode, she speaks of her early life and how the depression she was labelled with for so many years was actually unprocessed grief. Donna and I speak about how her personal journey influenced her professional journey and the ways that she includes ancient rituals and modern practices to support people to truly heal. I trust you will enjoy this one. So welcome, Donna Lancaster to the Soul Mama podcast. It's such a pleasure to connect here. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited. Oh, I was really looking forward to this conversation, especially having watched and savoured the documentary Loved, which mm. uh, for those who don't know about you and your work, was a beautiful uh, reflection of the work that you've been doing around healing, particularly grief and lots of different traumas that adults have been holding on to for a long time and really took us into what happens behind the bridge retreat but for people who don't know who you are I'd love if you could just introduce yourself and your work sure thank you Nanda. it's so hard to describe what I do <laughs> but I, I mean basically I'm the co-founder of uh, the bridge retreat which is what you mentioned was featured in the documentary and it's a, essentially it's a six-day process that's a series of experiences that are sort of a blend of therapeutic experiences alongside uh, rituals uh, ceremonies and it's that kind of blend to support people to heal what they need to essentially so it helps people um, yes we work with grief but that's not just in the limited definition of bereavement that's in grief and loss as part of the human condition so we support people to grieve all layers of their what I call heartbreaks, um, so that they can really fully um, 
kind of clear away the debris that's stopping them living their life in the most authentic and wholehearted way. And what beautiful work. It was so powerful watching that. And I think the reason why I felt this particularly speaks to mothers and women who are on that journey of motherhood is because so much of the healing was around childhood wounds and around relationships with parents or caregivers. And I wondered if you could speak to what you see uh, with the people that come on to the bridge retreat and the people you've helped to support to healing around this piece in, in childhood and how so many of us are still carrying wounds from that space. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been working in this field now for 31 years, a long time, and you, you kind of see a lot of themes in that time, Nanda, and that right. essentially what, what I see is that so many people, uh, their core wounds are from childhood, and some people, you know, there's also, as you know, the kind of pre-birth wounding and uh, in utero wounding and also ancestral, there's, there's, there's so many layers but essentially, uh, most people that come on the bridge, the ones that they are aware of is the lack somehow in childhood of their needs being met in a healthy way. Either got, they got too much of something or too little in the extremes in terms of the parenting they received. And of course, it's not just parenting that then can get compounded by schooling and bullying and peer groups, et cetera, et cetera. But basically, childhood is such of course because we're so vulnerable and malleable and open as a, as a system as a, in our system as children that, that that's when those core wounds are really um ignited if you like and so we really support people to tend to those wounds to as you would a physical wound you know one of the definitions i love nahanda about healing is the application of love to the places that hurt Mm. And that's what we do on the bridge is we apply love to the places that hurt in people and that is magic mm. that's such deep healing magic and so how did you come to this work and through this approach of realizing this blend of ritual of ceremony of of group work of being seen and the more kind of traditional therapeutic talking therapies that I could see in there as well yeah I mean years of experience basically you learn you so there's the kind of professional trainings and learning um, in di working in different environments. So I was a couples therapist for years. I worked with individuals for years and I worked in groups from, you know, even in my early 20s, I was working in women's refuges with women and then I worked in women's prisons. And so I got a real um, experiences of working in all different environments, either individually with couples, with families and uh, in sort of larger group settings. And what I, so that's the professional bit. So I learned through that professionally that what is possible in community working in groups is so much more time efficient and deeper and effective in the healing process than maybe one-to-one -one work. Of course, I also learned about the importance, the pivotal role of the body in the healing journey. And, um, and that links to my personal experiences and how 
for me, I, you know, I went to therapy and I had a really great experience with a therapist and, and it really, at that point in my life, I had it probably saved my life and it helped me to join the dots. It helped me to understand my dad was like this, mum was like that, therefore I have these feelings about myself and I make these choices, but that's awareness. Mm-hmm. And awareness is the first step, but that's not healing. Right. And so it was only for me once I started to work through the body that actually and actually allowing the body's wisdom to be accessed and do its thing that I was actually truly I experienced what healing is and that's what really um, made me really shift in terms of how my approach to working with people and I just thought that's why I gave up essentially my one-to-one and couples work in London was because I thought because I really feel like there's no time, there's no time for people to self-loathe or believe the lie that they're not worthy. There's no time. There's so much important work to do in the world, including raising healthy children. And, and so I, I just thought, how can I, a woman of my age, at my stage of life, how can I reach more people and be most effective? And that's in groups. Mm. And so I want to go deeper into that distinction between having the awareness and actually then doing the healing. And so you mentioned that didn't shift for you fully until you got into the body, right? What was that like for you? How did you approach that? How did you even know to go there? What was that like for you personally? And then how did that translate into some of the modalities that you now work with? Yeah, well, essentially for me, I had been sort of diagnosed in my early 20s although I believe I was suffering from this what was labeled as depression but what wasn't depression but I was diagnosed as depressed in my early 20s although I I had that kind of level of uh, internal sadness for much for much sooner and it was um it was then that I was uh called to start therapy and as I said I it really did enable me to to function I had children I had a career you know I I needed to do life and and so I had to get up every day and do what mothers do and and um, and that therapy absolutely helped me to join the dots helped me to shed a few tears and and it really enabled me to kind of function and to survive in a way but it didn't allow me to thrive. And it was only that body-based piece that, that allowed me to then go into the healing and the thriving. And, and how that came about, like most of these things, Nahandra, is when it was, I read an article and I was literally, I'd been, I remember, I remember it really clearly, even though it's decades ago, is I'd been out and I'd, like many people, when I was, I didn't go out very often because I was a single parent, but when I went out, because I had so much self-loathing and so much self-sabotage, my patterns of self-sabotage were really strong. When I went out, I used to get really destructive, drink too much and get into sort of dangerous, put myself in dangerous situations. And I kind of woke up, you know, consumed after a Saturday night with self-loathing. The girls, my children weren't there. They were their fat fathers and it was like, I can't go on like this, you know, and I kind of knew that the depression didn't fit for me. And then what happened was I went out, I got the Sunday papers and I opened the, whatever it was, I can't even remember the, one of those Sunday magazines. And there was an article by the psychologist, I believe he is, Oliver James. And he was writing about this experience, which I then went to uh, work on called the Hoffman process. And, and it was, 
And I just read this and everything in my body was like, I have to do this. And it was a lot of money for me. Um, and I was like, I'm going to put it on a credit card. I have to do this. And that was the first experience I had of working through the body. So what, what that means is literally uh, using a series of different experiences to access, which is where grief lives in the body. It's visible, as you know, all our emotional blocks are held in the body. It's not held up here emotionally, it's held in the body. And so, um, you know, a series of different experiences that they used in that process that allowed basically my broken heart to open and all this uh, safely and then all of this emotion starting to be released and that was my grief of a lifetime of unhealed and unshed tears and unexpressed anger and that was the beginning of me to really starting to get well you know kind of holistically well my body is shivering just hearing that because I feel like, especially on the motherhood journey, so much gets compacted into the mm -hmm. body, you know, from preconception, the fears that we hold about pregnancy or birth actually hinder our fertility. Um, and then for women who navigate through that and, and get pregnant, and then for women who go on to potentially lose babies or have stillbirths, and then the blame and the grief that you hold in the body, and then women who have trauma during birth and then don't have spaces to actually address that but are expected to then snap into this role of caregiving and pouring forth into a new, a new being, having not mended and healed themselves and you know I see women at all stages of that journey definitely understanding and having that awareness of what the body holds on to and how to begin to to tend to the body for me it's been movement I guess a kind of form of dance or non-linear movement so what does the body need to express and then how can we move that into a space where you actually use the body to anchor a prayer really i i probably don't use that language with my clients but that's really essentially what i'm opening for them to do but i'm fascinated i'd never heard of the hoffman process and i'm going to go and look it up after this and i'll put a link to the teacher that you mentioned as well in the show notes but that feels really true to me and another layer of depth that we don't often get space to explore it didn't show that much of in the loved documentary so i'm really fascinated to hear about that aspect of it what comes up for people in terms of the documentary we asked the filmmaker to not include the body-based stuff because right. out of context you know these people are really vulnerable there's a lot of trauma in that room as you know and out of context it looked a bit to be honest it looked a bit silly like some of the you know some of the stuff we do in ritual if you don't understand and you're not there you know some of the chanting and the body movement and the sounds that people make and stuff if you if you're not there and you haven't had the kind of full picture of what we're doing and why it just looks like people making funny jerky move you know Got you. so respect for those people we said don't include that please and they you know they were great they they didn't we had to kind of that was a condition of the film is that I had last sort of final approval on what was included mm. so yeah so we kept the body-based stuff and that's the thing is after the Hoffman had such a powerful healing experience for me 
uh, I then got curious about sort of other, you know, maybe I'm not the only one that's diagnosed as depressed, but actually has unprocessed pain. And, and that led me to then train to become a Hoffman facilitator. I worked for them for nearly 10 years and, and um, became their head of training. And, you know, and then that's, that links to how I set up the bridge because then we get Gabby and I, Gabby was also a, a Hoffman facilitator, that so we really decided we wanted to set up something that, because Hoffman was set up by a man in the 70s and we really wanted to offer something that was very much about divine feminine, that was very much about using feminine energies to support people in their own healing. So it was very much about nurture and mothering. You know, right. what we do essentially is we mother people. We love them from the moment they contact us. We're kind of giving them that that love that so many people didn't receive because their parents had their, you know, their own kind of unhealed pain. And so it goes on, you know? Yes. And so thinking about the rituals and the, the kind of acts of ceremony, um, I saw there was a, a photo of Sobonfu Fusome, who I have really loved her, her books and her offerings um, and her context on on ritual as a healing modality for communities and families and women and mothers. But I wondered how that came into being for you and how you really make that an integral part of what people experience. I did some grief training with Sabonfu when she was alive and it wow. blew me away. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw, because I knew about her work and like you had read stuff and watched stuff and, and then um, that she'd offered. And then it was because she lives, she lived in the US and then, uh, and then it, I saw something and it was like, she's in the UK, you know, and I was really, really blessed because it was just not long before she passed away and mm -hmm. she was quite sick when she was still you know doing her her weaving her magic throughout the world and, and um, so I did this grief training with her and just learned so much about community healing it just kind of consolidated everything I believed everything that I'd kind of been doing but didn't really know that you know it was like it was all there community chanting ceremony fire you know everything was was there and I just thought wow and so we honor Subonfu because we as we do and I think it's really important that we kind of recognize that we stand on the shoulders of some great women some great people actually that have done have walked this path before us and as you know I'm a big believer in honoring those people so we we have a photo of her it's only actually really one of her rituals the grief ritual that you saw part of in the film um and so we have her photograph just to honor her and we say who she is and and it's just it feels the right thing to do it feels like yeah she dedicated her life uh, in service to supporting people to remember the power of community and ritual and grieving and so only right that we honor her in that way Mm. One of the things that stood out so much for me when I was reading her book was the difference between the fact that in our modern Western society, we're so kind of individualized and living in these nuclear families, sometimes two people managing a family, sometimes just one. And the fact that we see it as our role to be able to carry everything that's expected of us alone and to be able to do that 
well. And when we're struggling, there's this sense of like, why am I struggling when other people are kind of getting on with that and doing it in a way that looks good on the surface? And I think hearing her reframe the village aspect, the community aspect, and how when a mother is struggling or when a mother has suffered something, that is the collective grieving of like a whole community to carry that, like energetically carry that. And Mm. it just made me think like women and men, you know, individuals are carrying so much and we're expected to push through and persevere and just be okay with it until we get given a safe space to actually lay some of these things down that we realize like, I shouldn't have been carrying all of this stuff by myself in the first place. And I think that's the thing that I'm always really aware of is that we're going against a current of conditioning, which make people expect unrealistic expectations of themselves. Um, And so I find that a lot of my work is kind of just resetting the framework, resetting the expectations to be like, there's nothing wrong with you because you're struggling. You know, the fact that you're finding this hard as the sole carer of your children is natural. It's not, it's because it's not natural for us to be the sole carers of our children, you know? Um, And so that is often the permission that women need to actually give themselves a break and not to be so hard on ourselves. And so I wondered for people who've never come across ritual or perhaps, you know, aren't aware of Subonfu's work, begin with something very simple, a ritual that they could bring into their lives as mothers now, potentially. Children love ritual. Mm-hmm. And so it is a beautiful thing that you can introduce into um you know, your, the ways that you parent your children. And I mean, we do rituals without realising they're rituals as well, don't we? But I think that, that there's something very beautiful about involving children. You know, rituals are about transitions, about honouring transitions, essentially. And so to involve children in that process, you know, whether it's like when my, my when my mum died and we, you know, and we took her ashes and we scattered some, you know, she loved the sea and... And the children, you know, not just my children, but the extended family, all the children from very young to sort of teenagers got involved in that process in kind of laying flowers in the water and sending wishes to my mom as she transitioned and crossed over. And it was just beautiful. And it was, and we cried together and then we shared stories about her life and we laughed at her funny little quirks. And, you know, and so that is a lovely way to kind of, uh, involve children in in the kind of transitions that ritual honor i mean i think the the key thing in grief work which is what i do which is also soul work because it cleanses the soul as sabonfu always said but is that you need to there's there's some stages which are simple and yet not simple <laughs> they can be incredibly um uh, challenging but the first one is obviously is to carve out enough time where you can and even if it's a small period of time where you can actually uh, go inside and actually start to reflect and contemplate about what is it in your life that you that you're carrying that maybe is feels very heavy and doesn't serve you or your children and then it's being able to um, have that the story of your life and that might be one particular incident where you write about that and then you read it into at least one other witness and it needs to be somebody that will not judge or try to fix you or tell you that wasn't how it was so preferably not a family member because they will have had a different version of your experience so you can do a simple letter that you'll never send which said 
this hurt me essentially and this is how it hurt me and this is what it was like growing up with that you know that pain that hurt so you're really giving a voice to the the wounded part of you which we call the wounded child and you have that witness that's so fundamental for that young part of us to be able to uh defrost as i call it because those parts get frozen in time when we get hurt our most and so it's it start to warm up then and start to be able to um to emotionally grow up essentially and and then it's really the then the bringing in the body when you i always say that we grieve with the whole body and like you described beautifully using music as medicine you know and just allowing the body to do what it needs to do to grieve to release the anger the sadness and the fears and then you can do something as part of that uh, ritual after the movement piece so you've spoken you've expressed you've moved and grieved with the body about what happened to you and then the final piece is around you know some kind of ceremony where you either burn or bury the letter you go out in nature you connect with the earth and then the final piece is a ritual a bath or bathing or showering ritual and you really do it it's not just getting in the shower and rubbing you know you do it ritualistically where you're really cleansing mm. and that sort of those stages those steps which are all ritual um, is is grief work in its in its sort of purest sense. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and yeah, I've worked in parts of those ways, so it feels good that some of those feel reflected. And I know it have had very powerful effects on women who've done them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this sense of kind of meeting our wounded child. I think a lot of the time, the conversations that I have with women are that they don't see themselves as the victims that I guess we've started to have much more awareness of in in mainstream society. They may not have experienced direct abuse or um, sexual abuse or any kind of moment of crises in their childhood. Their childhood could have been, you know, predictably quite average, but there's still a sense of disconnect or you know not being fully in their power but then there's this kind of sensation that well because I didn't suffer that bereavement or that kind of crisis maybe that healing isn't really for me um so I don't know if you want to speak a little bit to that so often I hear people say, you know, I had a happy childhood. I didn't experience that, you know, like the the examples in the documentary are really extreme. Right. And part of that is because they're the only people that were willing, courageous enough to do the film. I always say to people that, that when, when I hear that, which is frequently, I always say it's not about blaming your parents. It's not about disrespecting parents. It's, it's the opposite of that because it's about honouring our parents and how we honour our parents um, and our families and our childhood is by acknowledging that they were our parents by the very definition of being human were flawed. And sometimes, just as you as a mother and me as a mother and a grandmother, sometimes we can't meet our children's needs as we would like because we have another child to attend to, we have to go to work, we have to whatever, whatever. And their parents would have been just the same, you know, that there would have been times when they may not have felt in a big family, for example, seen or heard or understood or validated. They may have been laughed at for some meaningless joke over Christmas lunch, but it really landed deep um, and they that and it created a feeling of shame as an example. And it's those little 
incidents and they can seem in some ways quite surface or insignificant but it's how you received it it's how it landed in you that makes the difference between whether it really becomes a core wound or not and that is not for anyone to say other than how did it feel i felt you know i felt humiliated you know when you laughed when they laughed at me as an example and it, and, and it, unless we can sort of turn towards that wound of being humiliated and acknowledge what went to create that without blame to just say yeah that, that my family laughed at me and this is how i felt and then we get to the emotional truth of it that's when that's the only way that the healing can take place but so many people it is that kind of letting go of this belief that if you say something that about what happened in your childhood that you're dishonoring your parents and especially in certain cultures that's really strong um, and i always say the biggest way we dishonor our parents is by living half a life. Mm. So if you have the courage to be vulnerable enough and truthful enough to revisit what I call the scenes of the crime, you know, and go back and, and, and really acknowledge how that landed for you, that means that you can live a wholehearted life rather than half a life, which is the biggest gift any person can give their parents. Donna is such a generous soul and I feel such mothering energy from her. Do you? If you haven't already watched this documentary, Loved, it's available on YouTube now and I'm going to post the link in the show notes in this episode. In part two, we go deeper into the ways that wounding can happen in the parent-child relationship. Donna speaks candidly about her own motherhood journey and the mothering of her now adult daughter, it's a special one with so many gems, so you don't want to miss it. Look forward to catching up again on the other side. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to www.soulmamajourney.com for more resources, including the Soul Mama blog, the show notes to each episode with links and references to everything mentioned, and for more ways to work with me one-to-one. Make sure you're following me on Instagram at soulmamacoach, for more personal shares and updates and you can email me at nahanda at soulmamajourney.com I so love to hear from you share the love with your friends family and anyone who would benefit from listening to this and if you could take a minute to subscribe rate and review this podcast wherever you've listened to it that really helps more people to discover it thank you I appreciate you stay blessed